Hello, welcome to another episode of A Sip of Crime. This is me, your host, Mac Attack, and I'm here with my main man, Noah. Hey, what's up? So today, we're about to get into some shit, man. So if y'all ready, y'all better be ready, because we ready. We got the wine, and we got them crimes. Yeah, I was say, but first, let's sip. Let's sip real quick. All right, Noah. So what you got for us today? Have you ever heard of Daniel Lugo, Mac? I have. So Daniel Lugo, Florida native, back in the 80s, or actually he grew up there, right? Mm-hmm. But he was his bodybuilder. And for some damn reason, the story's a trip, right? Mm-hmm. For some damn reason, he, along with some other gym buddies, a gym that's known as the Sun Gym over there in Miami area of Florida, they decided to kidnap and basically rob this one rich billionaire, right? And I'm sure some of you are kind of maybe putting the pieces together, especially if you're a big moviegoer. We'll kind of get into that later. They made a famous movie off of this. But Daniel Lugo, and along with Noel Dorball and a few of their other homies, they kidnapped this dude named Mark Schiller. Schiller they forced Schiller when he was kidnapped. They tortured him all kinds of ways. Water, waterboarded him, put him in a, um, in a warehouse. He soiled himself. They never gave him any food to eat. So this dude was really struggling. And while he was blindfolded, they made him sign a bunch of documents to basically sign over all his assets. Basically, he was this really rich dude that apparently burnt over one of uh, Daniel Lugo's close friends, uh, mm-hmm. his close friend's wife or girlfriend, I believe, at the time. So this was like sort of a payback thing. But because Daniel Lugo and Dorball, they were only, you know, fitness, body trainers, that kind of thing, they were never really wealthy. And so I guess they kind of got a little carried away. And they decided to basically, you know, force him to sign all these assets over to them so they could live lavishly, right? Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is, Mac, they were trying to kill him multiple, multiple times. Where they forced him to drink and then they tried to stage a drunk driving accident. And where they were going to light the car on fire, you know, they had the gasoline, they emptied it out, lit it on fire. But somehow this man, Schiller, escaped, Mark Schiller, right? And then while he escaped, they caught him escaping and they ran over him two times. And he still didn't die. Can you believe that? This dude wanted his money. But even after all that, Mark Schiller, um, I guess he wasn't a really popular guy in that area at the time. So even when he does get his lawyer and he does present his case to the police, there's no hard evidence for people to really kind of, you know, this is a different time back then. So there wasn't a lot of hard evidence for them to actually like convict and do an investigation until, get this, Lugo and Dorball decided to try and do the same thing to another wealthy person, a person who got wealthy off of the phone sex business. Can you believe that? Have you ever called one of those phone sex lines? You know what? I don't think so. <laughs> See, I remember used to seeing those as a kid, but I don't even know if those. I are know, still I know, like those hotline things, like you know the ones, you, the party lines. <laughs> yeah, those I've called when I was younger. Yeah, okay, okay. Not, not, no, no sex. It's <laughs> interesting. I remember uh, watching Adult Swim. Probably when I was like a teenager, like 2011, 12. And if you watched it like after a certain time, they started mm-hmm. showing those commercials and you're like, oh, Please like, call. yeah, like, what is <laughs> this? Girls go wild, all yeah, shit. something like that. So anyways, after already accumulating $2.1 million in assets from the first victim in Schiller, they try to do the same thing to Frank Griga and Christina Furton for more money, but they accidentally killed them. They actually put a horse tranquilizer on Christina Furton, which was the girlfriend of Frank Griga at the time. And Frank, they actually then really choked him out. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they decide to chop him up into a bunch of pieces and dump him into different parts of the state. However, they end up getting found, and that's how they get caught, and that's how the police decided to do an investigation, and that's how they eventually believe Mark Schiller for his first case. 
But bro, tell me why this isn't a movie. Pain and Gain. Man, I remember when I watched that movie. I, I didn't know it was a true story, first and foremost. Like, yeah. I went into that movie with the pure mindset that, all right, like, I'm just going to watch this movie. Mark Wahlberg's in there. Mm-hmm. The Rock's in there. Yeah. Tony Shalhoub's in there. The guy that plays um, Schiller. Yeah. You know, like, all right, cool. It's the dope. This is a decent-ass movie. Mm-hmm. And that Fat Amy was in there, too. Yeah. I was like, all right, it's going to be a funny movie. <laughs> the way they, they played the, the trailers and stuff, like, mm-hmm. you see him get hit, and you're like, all right, cool. Like, this going to be a dope movie. And then after I watched it, like I'm, I watched the the whole thing, like they made it into a comedy, and mm-hmm. like, right? Like he, they tried to kidnap him seven times. Yeah, they failed seven times, and then the last time they tried was in 1994. I was like, wait, I was almost four years old. Yeah. <laughs> I was November, barely being born on November on November 14th. Yeah. 1994. I was almost four years old. Like, <laughs> I was like 14 more days away from being tw- being four years old. Yeah. And I was like, damn man, like all of this happened, and then. He hired the uh, Schiller hired a private investigator, mm-hmm. the boys, to, to, yeah, to help, you know, promote his thing. And I was like, okay, like this is a movie, this is a movie, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then something just told me, all right, let, look up the the characters in the movie. I, I like to do that when I watch movies. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, it says true story. I was like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> I believe the narrator too. I don't know if it's at the beginning or at some point in the middle or at the end. But he's, like, saying, too, during the movie, he's like, and, you know, sadly, this is a true story. And I remember that yeah. being kind of the theme of the movie. And just, man, when you hear that's a true story, well, I think it was at the end, because you're just, like, surprised. You just witnessed all that, like, kind of crazy. It was fucking sloppy, basically. It was. It was not, like I said, these were bodybuilders. These were guys who, you know, were into fitness, and they were not, you know, these weren't very well-thought-out plans. I mean, sure, they did put into some thought. They didn't just do, you know, top of the head, you know, kind of thing, but... It was not like, oh, these guys were F- FBI agents or ex, you know, military personnel. This was just kind of, this was sloppily done and you know, rightfully so they got caught. But I just think, man, the fact that like you said, they depicted it in kind of like a comedic fashion. Right. When this was like, a, I'm sure, you know, Schiller probably doesn't see his life as comedic. At, at, yeah, at all. Mm-hmm. And the thing too, like there were some discrepancies too in the, from the movie, from the real life. Apparently, I, like I knew like uh, Chris, the Christina girl mm-hmm. when they, they, actually, they finally kill her. Like, I know in the movie, they showed that she got tranquilized one time. They stuffed her into a drum for a little while. And then after that, they cut her into pieces. And yep. the case was. But in real life, she got freaking hit with horse tranquilizers three times. Yeah. Three times. Mm-hmm. That's what killed her. And I was like, I can't even imagine me getting half a dose. Yeah. Imagine three. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, what the fuck, bro? And then they got all the codes from her to take all the money. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's when you get greedy. Yeah. <laughs> greed does some things to people yeah and that's what i thought too man like the first dude they robbed and basically got the, all their assets was 2.1 million between four people i mean trust me like i i'm no mathematician but that's I a think cool, that, that's a cool change that's yeah that's some cool change and i think like if you spend that wisely like you'd be able to make that last for like a good amount of time right. Am I wrong? invest it you invest that you buy a business. Better yeah. yet, you enter fitness, yeah. buy a freaking gym, and have that revenue come in. Right, bro. You know? But for some reason, like I said, they got greedy and they wanted to do the same thing to another millionaire. And I just thought that was crazy, bro. Like you already, like you're already living on like tight ropes. Like they, they got lucky. Like I said, that the police and investigators didn't want to put the time into Schiller's case, and they didn't believe his claims. Right. But man, that was just a. Uh, come on, man. Like you got to use your head on that one. Why are you going for a second one? I guess, uh, I don't know. They didn't want to work. Because mm-hmm. if you remember in the movie too, like um, the, um, the beginning, the, I forgot the name of that actor, the Asian actor. Mm-hmm. The, he's a doctor in Casio Permanente. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about from, um, yeah. 
Hangover? Hangover, yes. that guy. Like, he was in there saying, you know, one, two, fuck them and take their money. <laughs> yeah. It's basically, he was telling them, hey, you don't have to work hard to get what I have. Yeah. You just have to go and make, make some moves mm -hmm. and make people think you're doing moves mm -hmm. and then they'll give you their money. Right. But that wasn't the case. They took it by force. Right. And then so they were like, all right, since I, since I got away with it for two days of doing nothing and just got all this money, all mm -hmm. these assets, all right, I could try to do it again for somebody who has way more money. Who I think that guy owned a strip club. Yeah. You know, someone who who has way more money, way more assets, mm -hmm. you know. But I just remember, like, the torture that that guy went through to the first one. Yeah. The, the dildos. Bro, All everything. I'm like, damn, like forcing the him to drink. The fact that he, I, I don't know how he escaped. I, like, he, obviously he was tied up and like I said, they put him in the car, they crashed the car and then they lit the car on fire. How did this dude escape? I, I, I feel like he was just determined or someone like a higher power was just like determined to keep him alive so he can go tell his story. Because let's say he does die. Like, would there ever be a movie made about it? No. Who, yeah, probably not. And would we ever be talking about this? No. So someone out there was looking out for him was like, yo, you need to be alive to tell your fucking story. And he got run over two times after that. Two Man, times, that guy bro. Was, that guy was meant to live. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, when they broke into the hospital, too, to try to go and kill him, mm -hmm. if, if you remember that scene. Yeah. And then they were, like, trying to follow arrows, and then the nurses caught him. Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's just say if they didn't get caught. What would have happened? Like, right. they had so many opportunities to kill this guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, man, that guy's will to live was just beyond me. Because mm -hmm. you, you do that to me. All right, just take me. <laughs> yeah. And, like yeah. And I think the main thing, like, just to tie a bow on this story, and we'll get back to it later, but the greed, man. Like, I think that's just something we all kind of get caught up in, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think either one of us are greedy enough to be like, oh, let's go fucking rob someone and force them to sign, you know, some paperwork and assets over you know what I'm saying? At least me. <laughs> <laughs> I see you shaking your head over it now. But I just think it's crazy. You know, I think a lot of times we get caught in this rat race of right. the American society. Money driven. You know, you got to have the fancy car, the fancy shoes. Got to have a nice place to live. A big, big house. And these guys just took it too far. And, you know, sure, like, there's some other people who probably... From what, you know, I read is that Schiller wasn't a popular person. Mm -mm. He did some maybe corrupt things, but... You know, not but he everyone... was also low-key, too, so nobody really knew yeah. to look for him when he went missing, Exactly. Too. Exactly. He didn't have a lot of friends, that kind of thing, but it doesn't... Ah, man, like, it doesn't give you any right to take that from someone either, though. Right. You know, a lot of people work hard for what they got, and I don't know. It just... It kind of disappointed me to hear that, though, and especially that they try to do it again to another person who kind of came up in their own form or fashion. Yeah, because that guy, I remember, he was, what, Cuban and Jewish, Schiller. Yeah. He was Cuban and Jewish, and like he opened his rest, his uh, sandwich shop, mm -hmm. whatever. He was trying to do his thing to make his money. Yes, he fucked up. Yes, he talked to people. He talked down to people. Because mm -hmm. like, if you remember, like in the movie too, when he was Mark Wahlberg was trying to train him, mm -hmm. he was talking down to Mark. Yeah. And and you know using certain um, certain tones and stuff. Yeah. And then you were like, all right, like I I get it, but I don't get it. Right. You know, like, all right, like you could punch him, beat yeah. his ass maybe, mm -hmm. but. Rob the man of everything he owns. Try to kill him. Yeah. You fell miserably and then try to do it again. Yep. That's crazy. That's crazy. But not as crazy, I think, or you can tell me which one's crazier at the end, as this other story, all right? So this is another story based off a movie, and we'll get into that later. Frank Avangale Jr. All right, he's famous con artist that was doing things back in for a long period of time, but mainly did a lot of his stuff in the, what is it, the years... 
uh, in, this, in the late 60s, basically, mid to late 60s. So basically, at the ages from 15 to 21, this dude was fucking traveling the world, fucking playing as so many different identities, right? And so he's considered one of the main, like, the best con artists, like, ever in, like, crime history. Because, like I said, as a teenager, he started, uh, he started bank fraud, count, basically counterfeiting checks, yep. printing with magnets his account number onto other people's checks after he was stealing them. He was also basically a, a fill-in air pilot. What is it? A pilot. A pilot, yeah, for, for the, Pan Am. Mm-hmm, for yeah. Pan Am. He was impersonating an airline stewardess for a little bit as well. He got the outfit and everything. And people didn't suspect a lot because he had gray hair. Mm-hmm. So a lot of reports saying that he had gray hair, so he kind of played into that, even though he had younger features. Like, ah, oh, he's gray hair. He's probably just, you know, a younger dude, but just, you know, uh, not that young. Right. So no one really ever suspected some things for a long time. But he also filled in as a teacher's aide at BYU in Utah. He also served 11 months as a resident pediatrician in a hospital in Georgia. And then he also served, I believe it was eight months, as a uh, as a full-on lawyer for a, what was it, the, the Louisiana State Attorney General's office. This dude was doing everything you can think of at the age of 15 through 21. All kind of pulling all kinds of scams. And what I think is crazy about this one is that he was finally arrested um, in France. Like, the United States didn't even catch him. Mm-hmm. This dude was traveling so much. There's reports saying that he already traveled more than a million miles through Pan Am, yeah, A million bro. miles, 250 countries. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell? Like, I mean, 250 places. I was like, wait, I can't even walk 250 places, <laughs> you know, let alone travel 250 places. But yeah, his story was in- interesting to me. What what brought came to mind was the master of disguise. Yeah, you know, like that was the first thought when I first under like saw his whole thing. Like this guy could literally blend into any situation and make it work, make it work for him, so he he could make what he needs to. Right. Well, like let's just say, right, like when he became a put a pediatrician. It was just to please a girl yeah. that he was in, he was in love with, uh-huh. and then he would watch movies and pick up certain lingo, yeah. and then try to re- reiterate those lingos. And then I'm like, all right, man, like if I could do that, damn, I can't do it. I I don't think I have his not not knowledge, but like the the, the what do you say that the savviness? It's, it's not it's not even that. It's just like man, like to be able to fully invest into doing something like that, mm-hmm. and then allow yourself to fall into that character. Yeah. That takes a lot. That's a lot of acting, right? <laughs> like, this wasn't even the movie. This was right. like a real life dude acting. Being acting. While yeah. acting. <laughs> <laughs> but man, like from 15 to 21, bro, like from 15 to 21, I was still trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills. Bro, really? Like, really though? <laughs> Fuck, man. But this this guy, like literally, like, like I said, master of disguise, like check forgeries. He got caught in and was it uh, France? Mm-hmm. He he got caught in, Swi- uh, in Sweden. S- Sweden, mm-hmm. and then when the U.S. finally caught him, it was like, all right, shit. And he almost got out of that too. Yeah. As he was getting deported back from Sweden to the United States because they had to uh, invalidate his passport, he snuck out, went to Montreal in Canada, and was gonna try and get a plane to Brazil. But before he did that, the Border Patrol of Canada caught him and they sent him back to the U.S., man. This dude, but this dude was deceitful as fuck. And, and remind you, too, we're, we're sitting here in 2020, or actually 2021 now. Happy right. New Year to everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. But we're sitting here in 2021 thinking, like, man, how is that even possible? Like, no one today in day, day and age, yeah, today's day and age 
with all this technology and stuff, it'd be a lot harder to accomplish something like this. But this is something back in the, like I said, mid to late 60s. He finally got arrested in 1969. So this is something that they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have fancy cameras and gadgets and ways to track people like they do now. But I, I think I think in a way he probably could get away with it. You could. It's but just a lot harder. No, it'd probably be easier for him because remember, he's a master of disguise. Mm -hmm. Like he could, all he has to do is learn the craft. All he has to do is learn technology and figure out how to hack into certain systems to make sure mm -hmm. if he really wanted to get away with it. You know what I'm saying? Like all he has to do is hack into certain systems. Be like, all right, like I know you're gonna watch certain street lights. Mm -hmm. I, I'm gonna control that. Yeah. You know, like and then go into a rural like area like mm -hmm. where nobody really knows him, and then he still be doing it. Yeah. You know, he's just be able to hack people from afar. I mean, we have hackers in yes. to this day that'll yep. do the same thing right now. True, true. You know? That's a good point. So it's just like, man, like he'd get away with it, but it'd take him a long, it'd take him a long, it'd take probably be 40 by the time he got him. Yeah. And the crazy thing about his story though, too, at least out of all the things that he played as, I think the craziest one to me is the pediatrician, the one that he was actually doctor. Um, basically when he was living in Georgia, lived in his apartment, one of his neighbors in the apartment was a doctor and he said, he needed like a supervisor, basically like a fancy security guard just to watch over some interns over the late night shift. Mm -hmm. But somehow he was able to get some scrubs and basically acted as in like their fill-in supervisor. And he got away with it for so long, for 11 months, because he could just have the interns do their thing. And obviously as an intern, you know, you're, you're hungry, right? You right. want to show the doctor what's up. And so basically like, you know, he didn't have to do anything for 11 months. He could play as a doctor, not having to touch a single person's organ or cut someone open or put in any IV, nothing like that. I think it's I think it's crazy. Like, you know, we're I think he's pretty fortunate that he didn't end up like maybe killing someone by accident because, you know, a lot of people put their trust in doctors. So if, you know, if something happened bad on his terms, man, that could have ended very ugly for him. But also too, like the fact that he had the interns doing everything for him, mm -hmm. it, it kinda took all the pressure, not just the pressure, it took all the worry off of him. Like, let's just say if somebody did die, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be his fault. Even yeah. it would be under his supervision, but technically, he's not a real doctor. The fuck he cares? Yeah. You know? So he oh, he could be like, oh, yeah, they prescribed a little too much. Yeah. They they um over, they dosed him a little too much. They cut a little too high. Yeah. Cut a little too low. You know, like, mm -hmm. that's all he had to say. He could have just said, I, I trusted them enough to do the, their work. Yeah. And then they they failed me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's crazy. But that, one thing I saw, too, they said that he he impersonated an a, a agent, mm -hmm. a federal agent. And I was like, how do you impersonate? Well, I mean, yeah. We know how he did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I know how you can. <laughs> but how do you impersonate a federal agent and get away with it for so long? Mm-hmm. So long. Mm -hmm. not, not, not just like, oh, he did it for one day just to get through, just to mind his business. Yep. He got away with it for months. Mm -hmm. Months. And they didn't catch him. He allowed himself to escape. Mm -hmm. He made himself leave that. Mm -hmm. And then he was a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was a fucking lawyer. And the, the crazy thing about a lawyer, too, I think where he fucked up here, if I were, if I were in his shoes in this position... Look, the whole thing with the lawyer thing is he said he graduated from Harvard. Right. So while he was lurking, working at the Louisiana uh, State General's Attorney's Office, another dude from Harvard came in who actually went to Harvard Law School, and he's like, hey, like, you went to Harvard? Like, dope. Let's talk about it. You know? Right. Especially, like, a school like Harvard, that's not an easy, not an easy school to get especially into. Especially back then. Yeah, hell yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, to even now, you know what I'm saying? Even now, yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's prestigious as fuck. And what I'm thinking is, like, why didn't he just think of some regular, like, dumb little state school Louisiana you know? state yeah you know what I mean like <laughs> there's no reason for him to 
throw out Harvard because basically how he got exposed and had to leave. He actually never got caught from that attorney position. He actually had to leave himself. He resigned before he could uh, ever get exposed. But that dude kept pressing him. I was like, hey, like, who was your this at Harvard? And eventually, once he got so suspicious enough, he presented it to the main dude who was running the office. And, you know, that's when he decided to, to book it out of there and leave the, the state for good. But I think that's crazy, man. Like, why are you throwing out Harvard? Like, Bro, start with a little, like, you know, I went to Cal State San Diego, or San Diego, you know what I mean? I went to Cal State Fullerton. No disrespect to those schools, but I'm just saying, like... You gotta start low, yeah, and then a, say you went your way high. It's yeah. a lot harder to track those schools, you know what I'm saying? Right. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who are wondering, right now we're uh, talking about Catch Me If You Can, um, Leonardo DiCaprio and mm -hmm. Tom Hanks. Um, great movie. Yeah, great directed movie. by Steven Spielberg, too. Yeah, great flick. Um, it, it's like it's, it's sad It's sad and interesting that it's based on a true story. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, like it, it makes your mind boggle. You're like, wait, all these criminals were doing all these crimes in all this time. And then you go and you're like, damn, mm -hmm. how they get movies? Yeah, <laughs> that's the crazy thing, too. So... After he gets, um, you know, he does his time in France, he does his time in Sweden, and then, like I said, he gets deported to the U.S. He's sentenced to 12 years, but because of good behavior and whatever, he gets uh, released after seven years on one condition, though. Because he was so good at deceiving, basically, the people who were trying to catch him, the FBI he was able to dodge him for a very long time. He ends up working for the FBI, right? And then he moves to Houston, starts a little... Uh, consultant. He, he's, a, he's a consultant for different banks and basically helping bank fraud. And then he does his own little business in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now he got one, I think, in um, some part of South Carolina right now. I right, think it's Charleston, right. South Carolina. It's Charleston, yeah. So I think it's crazy, though. Like, the fact that he was so good at the crimes that he did, he was now hired to, like, churn size. You know what I'm saying? He was basically... He, went as, became, he was the villain at the beginning. Now he's the fucking... I don't even know if you can say he's a good guy, but he was helping the good guys. That's, that's, how just, was. that's the FBI, though, in a mm -hmm. way. Like, if, for example, hackers, we talked about, I talked about on hackers a minute ago. Mm -hmm. when, when they catch a hacker that's so good that they couldn't find, they finally caught him, what do they do? They turn him. They get them to work for them to catch other hackers, right. to catch other whatever that it is that they couldn't do. Yeah. You know? And, and and that's smart on their behalf. Like yeah. they, they use, you know, whatever they can to give, hey, you you'll get to spend like two years in prison or whatever the case is, mm -hmm. and then all you have to do is work for us. Right. If you disagree, fine, you get to spend the rest of your life in jail. What would you choose? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of course I'm gonna try and help somebody out. <laughs> Shit, I'll be like, even I I I'll work my own little system too. Yeah. But I'll still help you out. Yeah. But I think that was smart on, on their behalf, like to give him that opportunity to catch forgers, all that stuff. Like mm -hmm. that was pretty smart. But man, like he barely spent any time in prison. Yeah. For all those crimes. For all those crimes, bro. I'm sure the people who do much less has spent a lot more time. But that's a conversation for a different kind of day. After all that though. 1980 he wrote his book catch me if you can it's basically an autobiography of all the things that he did and then of course they turned it into a movie in 2002 which we're referencing mm -hmm. directed by steven spielberg um leo dicaprio plays the main character in frank um, abengill and then tom hanks the agent while there was no like one agent that uh, tom hanks is playing he's like playing a c accumulation of all the agents in real life that mm -hmm. were able to catch abengill jr for all the crimes that he committed but like you said they're making movies off of these things, both Pain and Gain, Catch, Pain and Gain, and Catch Me If You Can. Those are both very popular movies, and like we said, very like hard, like serious crimes, but they're depicted in a very like comedic, almost like playful type manner. Right. And I wanted to ask you, like, do we as like movie viewers, and just maybe like, should there be people 
like not directing directors but kind of monitoring directors and what they put out there what movies they decide to do and, and what messages they're trying to put across um that's a tough one because if you think about like I'll, I'll go as far as scary movies mm. right if you think about it most of these scary movies are based off of these serial killers true you know like they'll find ways to, to twist it into their own little thing so that way like it's not they don't technically name the serial killer but there are times they do mm-hmm. there are times they do but like for example um texas chainsaw massacre and all of that was based on this one one person but him they made four different movies with four different characters mm-hmm. off of him you know so it's just it, it's a hit and miss like I, I would say no like don't don't make movies but then again like those are the ones, the movies, like, they, they teach you. Yeah. They're like, all right, like, damn, this happened really. And then you, like, you find out it's based on true story. And you're mm-hmm. like, damn, this really happened. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it's a hit and miss for me. How do you feel about it? I, I don't know. I think I want to say, I mean, I love these movies. I loved watching it. And I think someone like us two, you know, people who have, I don't want to say, like, they were good, raised from good backgrounds. Because there's other people who were maybe raised from bad backgrounds that still end up having good morals and stuff right. like that. But, um... You know, just the way like we carry ourselves, like we would never, we see those movies and we never be influenced to say, oh yeah, let's try something like that. Right. You know, we never be like, oh yeah, that sounds fun. Like, let's try and do something like that. But there are a lot of people out there who do see that, right? Right. And we know how influential, whether it's movies, TV shows, video games, you know, we see how influential they are, especially on the youth, right? And it could be adults too. Mm -hmm. But I bring this up because I don't know if you remember the gunman James Holmes in Colorado. He shot up a movie theater that was playing Dark Knight Rises, right? Yes. He shot up that movie theater, and when he was arrested, you know, he kept saying to the authorities that he was the real-life Joker, and that, you know, even when they went to go scope out his apartment, he booby-trapped the place with explosives, which is basically a move that the Joker did in the first Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and there's a bunch of other cases that I can get into a little bit later, but, like, we know that these movies and TV shows and video games have such an influence on us, and like I said, us two, like, normal people like us, we can put that aside and say it's just a movie we're not going to do that in real life but there are a lot of people out there who maybe don't have that same like perspective and there's not a lot of people maybe monitoring them or watching them carefully or knowing what their intentions are and i think it's scary because you know they you know the, fa- the fact that someone went to a movie theater that day to watch the sequel dark knight rises and, and someone did that to them you know a lot of innocent people died because of that and i'm not saying it's solely on the you know the directors and, and the people who do that because it's for our entertainment right you know but i think a lot of people don't know how to separate entertainment from like real life right and and, and i agree with everything you just said because like something probably in his head clicked right after, yeah and after that happened something in my clicked, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why i always sit all the way in the back mm-hmm. of the movie theater and it's just for my own safety and whoever i'm with mm-hmm. it's just, like that way like if something happens i know i can if by the time you get to me I'm already gone. Yeah, yeah. You know? But it was just like, man, like, when I when I first heard about that, Batman is one of my favorite characters. Like, yeah. all-time favorite characters. And when I heard that, like, I was... I don't want... Uh, I, was, I don't want to say petrified. But let's just say, like, something in me spoke. Mm-hmm. And it was like, damn, Mac, like, fuck, you could have been at a movie theater watching that movie yourself, and then that shit could have popped off. Yep. You know? And... I, I watch a lot of gory movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love gory shit. That's just me. Yeah. But I, you're not going to see me walking outside like with a, a semi-automatic in my hand yeah. or an AK-47 or assault rifle. Yeah. And just like, all some people, nah, man, I'd rather take a nap. Right, right. You know, but it's just certain people like 
they see certain things and let's just save their loners mm -hmm. and their mind just registered hey yeah he's he was a loner mm -hmm. I, i'm a loner right fuck well how do i okay let's do what he did right he came out in full kevlar yeah so, yeah <laughs> full he fucking, fucking kevlar he fucking knew what he was doing yeah and not one shot was fired at him yeah they took him everything and i was like damn man like but I digress. Yeah. But imagine it was somebody else, mm -hmm. you know, six bullets to the head. But anyways, mm -hmm. yeah, you know. It's crazy. And, and just to name off a few other incidents that I was looking up as far as like movies kind of influencing. We all remember the movie Project X, right? Yes. So a lot more lighthearted note, obviously not as serious as, you know, the... Um, the Dark Knight incident uh, with the movie theater. But, you know, I, dude, I knew so many people from high school. I was I had just graduated high school when that movie came out. And a lot of people, at least in Orange County, were trying to throw these Project, Project X, X parties. type parties. Knowing that this, like, dude in the movie, like, yes, it was an epic party, but he also, like, faced some severe-ass consequences. Like, you know, like, this dude's life wasn't the same afterwards. And they tell you about that in the movie. But, yeah, all these people were trying to replicate the same thing. So, it just, like I said, the the I think we underestimate the power and the influence that whatever media form we use, because it could be social media too, right? right? A lot of people are on Instagram and Twitter now or TikTok even. But all these like platforms, whether like I said, movies, social media, TV shows, radio, whatever, even like they yeah, all podcast have, though. Yeah, yeah. They all have some sort of influence on people. And like I said, not everyone's gonna fall victim to it. Right. But there's people out there, like you said, who maybe whether they're isolated, they have some sort of mental um, illness, and they may not even know about it. They might even not have been diagnosed yet. But they'll just carry out what these people did in the movies, and it can be kind of scary, which leads me to, you know, come full circle. You know, these movies, like I said, I enjoyed them. I know you enjoyed them. But it's like, man, at what cost? Like, is someone going to get inspiration to replicate the same stories of Daniel Lugo or Frank Abengale Jr.? You know what I'm saying? And... and to be honest, I think they are. Yeah. And I don't I don't say that lightly. And it, it's it's sad, but people are gonna try to do whatever they wanna do. Yeah. For example, what what movie just came out? There's a movie that just came out. It, it was kind of creepy. I, I'm just I don't remember the name of the movie, but it, let's just say it was one of those horror gory movies. Mm. And it won't take long for someone to see that movie <clears throat> and be like, damn. That looks fun. I want to try that. Yeah. And then I'll be just to see if they can get away with it. Yeah. And that's it. That's why only reason people do things that they see in movies. Right. To see if they could get away with it. Yeah, they got away with it in the movie. Yeah. I mean, in real life, they did two these two characters for for those were extenuating circumstances, right? Because they they knew what the kind of Lugo didn't know what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> but Abignell knew what he was doing. And yeah. They they he practiced his craft and. He elevated to a certain level to where it took him six years to finally get caught. Yeah. You know? But these people, they're just going to try to see if they can. But mm -hmm. keep in mind, like, this is movies. Mm -hmm. Like, people, they make it in a way, like, to, to tell you a story. Right. Not to, oh, damn, this is a plan. Yeah. You, you, you X, Y, and Z, and then you go and you get you get back to ABC. Yeah. Nah, man, <laughs> fuck all that. Like, yeah. you do one of those things, somebody's going to catch you and they're going to beat your ass. Yeah. But I don't know, man. It's just, it, it's creep. Mm -hmm. It's creep to me. That's yeah. just. It's a challenging, uh, like I said, it's a challenging topic to talk about. And I don't know. I, I wanted to talk about it because, like I said, I really enjoyed those movies. But then you find out their true stories and you're just like, man, like, why, well, why are we playing this? You know, why are we, why are we making it in such a, such a, a delightful manner, too? Right. You know what I'm saying? When we're all laughing and enjoying and like, oh, like, you know, but like, like I said, I'm sure Mark Shirley doesn't think 
you know, his life was that funny. And then, you know, on, on Frank Abengales Jr., I'm sure he was he, he thought he was having a blast at that time. But, it, you know, even the fact that he came full circle after he served his time, very minimal time at that, mm-hmm. he was able to work for the government, kind of assist them, and basically preventing people what he did and, and write a book on it. And then, you know, kind of get rewarded for that. It's just kind of, it, it, I think it sometimes puts off the wrong message to especially very impressionable people mm-hmm. who don't have maybe necessarily discipline or authoritative Right. figures to kind of check them and be like no that's a movie you're not gonna do that you know what i'm saying yeah and for frank abagnale his his sentencing in, in my opinion was he got married got a business had three kids in the process yeah that was his sentencing yeah. daniel lugo 46 <laughs> counts yeah. all right people Let's talk about abduction murder <laughs> like uh, embezzlement like mm-hmm. there were so many like they threw on him like he just said fuck it <laughs> he's sitting in death row right now for those of you who are considering mm-hmm. doing what he did mm-hmm. but it, it just goes to show man like the 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 the, the sentencing for frank Abagnale to me wasn't mm-hmm. just right he should have done a lot longer yeah a lot longer i don't care like mm-hmm. he's helping you he should have at least done 15 years yeah at least. But like you said, too, like, you know, like present day hackers, if they're so good, like he was, he was top notch. You know, he could have right. snuffed out. I don't know if you remember the scene in the movie where he like he goes to the bank fraud and they're trying to coach their own employees to kind of be able to identify bank fraud. And he's like, oh, no, no, like people don't even use that method anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. This is how they would do it. Or this is something to watch out for. The fact that he was so good, you know, he was essentially the paint man or the Tom Brady of like his fucking craft is identity Ooh. fraud. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's a name. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? And, and that, but that, that's how good he was. You know what right. I mean? And so that's why I think he did get off the hook easier, right? I mean, twelve year sentence. Let's say he does have good behavior, maybe fills out ten, eleven. If he doesn't have the the history that he does, but man, like I said too, he's so young. I think that's the difference too. We were talking about it on the last show. How you know the attitudes towards the son of Sam versus the Central Park Five. You know, these are kids, like, granted, like, whether the kids, you know, do, do commit crimes or not, they have a lot more time to figure their life out. They have right. the rest of their lives ahead of them. Right. So this dude was still, you know, he was 21 when he got arrested, Frank Abigail Jr. Mm-hmm. He still had a, a lot of life left to live. And I'm like, I did I did like how they did kind of give him a second chance to kind of redeem himself. I do think he should have served more time, too. But it, it is nice to see him come full circle because, you know, they, they did talk about how, you know, he came from a broken home. I believe his parents got divorced at like 12 or 14. His dad was like a richy, snobby person, mm-hmm. but like didn't really pay attention to him. So this kid was, you know, deficient in a lot of, I guess we could say like a normal family's right, path. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there are other people too in this, I feel like in society who get arrested for certain crimes yeah. that could use that second chance. Yeah. You know? And they just overlook them, man. Yeah. Or they just, they just throw, lock them away and throw away the key. Yeah. And they just say, you know what? We're going to give up on you. Mm-hmm. But as to Frank Abagnale, they didn't give up on him. Right. They just said, oh, all right, since you're so smart with X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. help us catch ABC. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and and it's just like, it's sad, but at the same time, it, it is what it is. It, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. So I got two more based off of movies, Run crimes em. that were committed, if you don't mind. Run them. All right. So basically, after the Fight Club movies came out, crazy story, right? But in New Jersey... Fight Jer- Club? Yeah, remember the, the Fight Club? You don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> I know, right? You're not supposed to talk about Fight Club, but somehow... Some people were posting on Snapchat, and this is how Fight Club, that featured four to six-year-olds, 
fucking toddlers. The people were putting up toddlers to fight each other after the movie Fight Club in the um, the state of New Jersey. So I thought that was kind of crazy that I just wanted to kind of add there in the beginning. And then also too, if you remember um, Murders a Lot, there's a guy named Lee Boyd Malvo, also known as the Washington DC sniper. Yes. His murders in 2002 were heavily influenced by the movie The Matrix. And he asked um, the people who arrested him when they're asking, you know, when they're interrogating him and investigating him, asking him why he did it. He said, watch the movie Matrix. That's why I did that. And so I just think, again, the power of movies to have influence, whether it's a fighting movie, a, you know, a Matrix movie, part uh, Project X or more of a lighthearted movie. It all influences us to maybe do things subliminally. And a lot of us have the power of ourselves to mm -hmm. say, that's a movie. I'm not going to do it. But there's a lot of other people who just don't have that kind of discipline. So here, here's my question to you now. This is a serious question. Yeah. Should they go to Jack's route? You know how Jackass, like <laughs> yeah. in the beginning, they put disclaimer. Yeah. Should a movie put a disclaimer now? Because I feel like to me it's redundant. Mm -hmm. I mean, at, like, all right, whatever. Yeah. You know, but is it is it at that point where they should put disclaimers? They can, and I think it it might help percentages by like maybe one percent, but I don't think it's gonna completely eliminate it. I think, you know, we work at schools, right? right? And we have jobs with kids. But a lot of times we're just like, a lot of times we're shorthanded. And like the ratio of, I think, in society of people monitoring other people, whether it's us at, you know, monitoring students, police monitoring civilians, um, you know, the, the people at uh, old person homes that monitor the older people. Like it's all a lot, right? There's, right. there's We don't have eyes on everybody, basically. And there's right. a lot of people who can fall through the cracks. Whether, right. like I said, it's at schools at, you know, nursing homes, whatever. Like, there's people who can get away because we just don't have enough eyes on everybody. So, you know, no matter what you do as far as putting, like, warnings out there, people are still going to do it. You right. know, I look at, like, when you said that, too, I remember, like, the video games, uh, Need for Speed, and even, like, the Fast and Furious movies. They talk about, like, don't do these. These are done by professional drivers. And, like, there's still people out there every day, you know, street racing, you know, trying to do dumb tricks. And, and a lot of people die from it or end up seriously injuring uh, themselves or others. So I just think it's... Uh, it's a tricky situation. I, th I do think it might help a little bit, but at the end of the day, like there's still people that are going to do it and you can't eliminate it a hundred percent. I'm also thinking that in the aspect of like, I don't know, I'm going way off field off of this one mm -hmm. and aspects of sports, right? Mm -hmm. Cause a lot of these kids, they see these, you know, like athletes perform and they do all, all of this and they're like, damn, I could do that. I yeah. want to do that. You know, that's the positive in it. Right. right. But you know, for example, there was one, Aaron Hernandez. Mm -hmm. You know, he was he was a, a excelling kid. He came from whatever background he came from. Uh, I, I saw the, I don't know if you saw yeah, the docu series. Yeah. I've seen the docu series, yeah. but man, like, what caused them to tick? I mean, people say it was the concussions and mm -hmm. stuff. Like, yeah, I get it. Could be. Yeah, but it, it's just like, what what's to stop the next kid to see that documentary and say, oh, I'm dealing with all of that too. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Right? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they try to do things to teach us things. Right. But there are times it has the adverse effect. Right. You know, like, I could literally make a video how to. How to not do this, not do that. And right. then people would be like, oh, so if you don't do this, there's the reverse would be to do. Yeah. X, Y, and Z. Right. So it's just like, man, like. We, I, I get you. I get what you're saying with the disclaimers. Like you mm -hmm. could only do so much as a society to 
get people educated enough to where they understand like hey like this is not for everybody right. this is professionals doing it people who have spent years practicing this yeah. craft but you know but to a young kid or better yet so an adult who had a mind haven't fully developed mm-hmm. you know like that to them that's like all right go get it yeah do it yeah you can uh-huh. yeah like fuck si se puede <laughs> So it's a it's a challenging topic to discuss, but you know it's it's worth discussing because I think a lot of people need to hear that conversation. You know, that's a tough pill to swallow. Because mm-hmm. man, like like I said, I didn't know about the Frank Abagnale. Like I, I I've seen the movie, but I didn't know it was based on a true story. Mm-hmm. But a lot a lot of this is throwing me off because like, man, and it's just not because well because of one one the year we had already. Yes. And then to add to it, like there's all these movies coming out with violence in them now mm-hmm. too. So you think about it, John Wick, for yeah. example. How many kids are gonna try to emulate that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And John Wick's a badass motherfucker. Yeah, he is. Like shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you just all you gotta do, like, think about it. We work, like you said, we work with kids. How many of them are gonna try to be like? The, they're gonna think like, oh yeah, that I got a bully right here. I'm gonna break his nose. I'm gonna break his arm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna shoot him in the head. Right. But man, it's funny how they turn all these movies into comedies, though. But hey, hey. I'm, not, I'm not saying nothing, though. Yeah, I'm saying that's, that's, that's not uh, in our control, unfortunately. Hey, something so serious into a comedy. Mm. Not, not, not saying anything. But yeah, man, hey, this was a great episode. Mm-hmm. I hope y'all learned something, because I sure as hell did. <laughs> I learned a lot. So, um, yeah, we'll see y'all next week. Yep. Have a good you know, first week of the year Mm -hmm. and be safe out there. And remember, stay safe.